Hey there, I'm so pumped to tell you about an amazing new community I've launched called Grief to Growth Circle Community. It's a space for people who are grieving to come together to support each other and for people who want to know who we are, why we're here, where we're going to have those conversations, all the things we talk about on the podcast. So I invite you to join me at grieftogrowth.com slash community to become part of this compassionate crew. The best part is 100% free. And you have access to me in addition to everybody else in the community. In fact, the podcast will be there so you can talk about the things we talk about in the podcast right there in the community. There's also some premium content if you want to go deeper in the work I'm doing, but mostly it's about building relationships and community and about sharing resources and supporting each other. So come on over and check it out. It's grieftogrowth.com slash community. I'll see you inside. Hi there. Welcome to the Grief to Growth podcast. Your host is Brian Smith, spiritual seeker, grief survivor, and life coach. Brian believes that the worst tragedies of life provide the greatest opportunity for growth. Brian says he was planted, not buried, and he's here to help you grow where you've been planted. In each episode, Brian and his guests will share what has helped them to survive and thrive. His sincere hope is that this episode helps you today. I really enjoyed recording today's episode of the podcast with Dana Stinson Cumbie. Dana's a friend I met through Helping Parents Heal. She's a shining light parent. Her son Noah passed away a couple of years ago. Dana, in, in this episode, she tells us about some experiences she had, including a near-death experience and a shared death experience, and how these things happened at various points in her life, seemingly randomly at the time, but then as it makes sense, looking backwards. And she talks about how she survived the passing of her son, Noah, and how she goes by getting by day to day, like all of us Shining Light parents do. So I hope you'll listen. Make sure to listen for details in the first near-death experience, because that's going to come back later in another experience that Dana has later in her life. And now, a brief word from our sponsor. When I decided I was going to do a podcast, I knew there were more moving parts than most people expect. How do you record a podcast? Where do you host it? How much will it cost? Do I need special software? How do I distribute it? All these questions were in my mind. I was all set to go with another podcast hosting company. Then I heard about Anchor. I believe that Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. Anchor gives you everything you need in one place. You can use it right from your phone or from your computer. Anchor is not only free, you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Anchor's creation tools allow you to record and edit your podcast so it sounds great. They'll even distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard everywhere, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many more. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M as in FM radio. And now back to our episode. So um, welcome, everyone, to a new episode of Grief to Growth. Uh, I am Brian Smith, your host, and today I have with me Dana Stinson Cumbie. And Dana is a fellow uh, Shining Light parent. Uh, she's also a member of Helping Parents Heal. And I met Dana a while ago, I guess, through Helping Parents Heal. Yes. I did Dana's radio show, and today Dana is returning the favor and doing Grief to Growth with me. So uh, welcome, Dana. Thanks for being here. Hello. Thank you. So um, 
Yeah, we talked about, you, you've got a really fascinating story and a lot of things I think we have in common, a lot of things to talk about. So, but let's start with, I think you said when you were like 12, you had a near-death experience? Yes, we had moved to a new neighborhood. And of course, you can tell by the accent. I'm from the South. And this particular area was North Carolina. I'm in Georgia now. Mm-hmm. And at the time I was 12, and you know how it goes when you're 12. You're not quite a little kid. You're not quite a teenager. Mm-hmm. And you're just, sorry about that. You're eager to um, have friends, have friendships. And um, at the time I had met these girls that were 14 and 15 years old. And they were like, come spend the night with us. We're going to the movie. You know, we'll introduce you to these people. And I begged to go. And so I got to go. We did go to the movie. And later that night, they wanted to play a game, which I'm sure is probably familiar, and it may not be, to a lot of parents called the pass-out game. Oh, yeah. I've heard that. I thought that was a pretty recent thing, though. No. Oh, okay. There may be different ways of doing it. Uh-huh. But at this time, you know, of course, I just was eager to fit in. And I was the smallest one there, very tiny, didn't weigh a lot. And they were like trying it with each other and it wasn't quite working. And they were like, Dana, come here. We want you to squat down and breathe as hard and fast as you can. Basically, you're hyperventilating. Mm-hmm. And when we tell you, we want you to jump up like a frog and we'll grab you. And what they do is they grab you around your diaphragm. Mm. You're up in the air and they squeeze as hard as they can and they decide when they let go. Wow. And basically you pass out Mm -hmm. and you pass out and they, that's the goal for you to pass out. So um, the next day they did it quite a few times and I was the main guinea pig because I was the easiest. The last time they did it, um, the neighborhood I lived in and we used to call it the poor man section but I mean, we were middle-class, but we lived in the area of the neighborhood. It was a country club neighborhood, but we lived on the end where it was the um, lower end housing where people could afford it. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yes. The other end were the rich people. Mm -hmm. So we went, we thought it was cool to go on the golf course and play and we'd get the golf balls that were lost, clean them up, resell them. But we went and played on the golf course and played the pass out game one more time. This time when they played it, um, I guess they held me too long Hmm. because the next thing I know is I'm looking down on them shaking me, but I didn't know it was me. Oh, wow. I could see them shaking and yelling and crying. And I'm like, what are they doing? What's going on here? You know, who are they doing this to? And then I saw me. Wow. And then the next thing I know, before I could have any anxiety about it, I could see just the sky and the, I mean, I'm moving further and further away from seeing them do this. And then I could see where my mom was, where my brothers were, where my dad was like, in this big visual field where my house was. It was Mm -hmm. like I I was getting the view where everybody was. Hmm. 
And as I got to see where everybody was and what was going on, I was moving further and further away. Mm -hmm. And the feeling was sort of like a vacuum. Like, like it, you're being pulled away. Yeah. Like you're getting sucked away. Mm -hmm. But I was getting, it was like, I was wondering inside where my family was. Cause you're kind of like, you almost don't, didn't get a chance to be scared, but you're like, at that, you, I guess the child in me was like, where's mom? Where's dad? You know, where is everybody? Yeah. <clears throat> and so as I'm getting sucked away and I guess it is a tunnel feeling, but I wouldn't necessarily call it a tunnel. I can see why people would call it that because that feeling of being sucked mm -hmm. would give you the illusion of tunnel now as an adult reflecting back. Cause I, I haven't forgotten any detail of that all of these years. Wow. That's what makes me know now that it was real because right. things that happened last week, I can't tell you. Right. 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 But every nuance of that I can still remember. So as I'm going further and further away, it's getting brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter. And I can't believe I wasn't scared. And as it gets so brilliantly bright, and I know one speaker like confirmed this for me, and I can't remember who it was. It was so brilliantly bright, blindingly bright, but it didn't hurt. Yeah, that's what I've heard. You can still see everything, but it's the brightest bright that's indescribable. Mm -hmm. And I did not see God per se. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm going to, my choice to call him her God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I felt God. I felt God bigger than everything. Mm -hmm. I felt the essence of what God is, but I did not see an individual God. Okay. And I felt God say to me, um, you are to lead in this voice and it wasn't like words coming from a mouth. It's, it's this, it's words. It's, and you hear it through you. Okay. And it's big, booming, loud, whispering words. Huh. If that makes any sense whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. Loud, whispering words, which is an oxymoron, but that's what it is. Yeah. I mean, I'm ugh, <laughs> all over. I'm just, I, can, ugh, I can't even, I'm feeling it now. Do you yeah, know just I mean? remembering it brings all the feelings back. Yeah. Uh -huh. All through my body. And um, I was, and I can remember thinking, I'm not a leader. I'm not a leader. I mean, I was 12. Here I was trying to make friends. Yeah. It's a 12 year old. I'm, I'm not a leader. I'm not a leader. And I was told you are to lead with love and kindness. Uh -huh. And I, it, I it couldn't make sense of that. I am to lead with love and kindness. <laughs> you are to lead with love and kindness. Mm -hmm. And as the light brightens, I get a glimpse. And there's more that goes on as my life goes on. But I get a glimpse. And as the light brightens, I see every plant you can imagine in one place that doesn't belong together. Hmm. Every plant, every tree, every, and they, 
even animals that don't belong in the same place. Hmm. I mean, if you can imagine tropical plants and Georgia plants and every kind of thing that doesn't belong in the same area and flowers and not just that, they, I know there used to be a commercial and I haven't seen it in a very long time. And I think it was about some kind of new technology for television about the color that you would have and you would see a, a hummingbird and the color looked like it was illuminated from the inside out. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Everything you would see was illuminated from the inside out. Wow. Like a Disney movie almost. Uh-huh. Everything. Everything was made of energy and light, but you could touch it. Uh-huh. Energy and light that was real. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, I'm testing out a new feature. I'd love to get your feedback on it. It's called Fan Mail, and you can send me a message right from the show notes of the podcast. So look for the link that says send me a text. You can ask a question for a future podcast. You can suggest a guest or just give me any feedback you want. Just remember, it is one way I can't text you back, and I will not have your name, your email address, or your phone number unless you include it in the message. Let me know what you think. So this is after you had heard the voice and then you, you, this like vision opened up in front of you. Is that what you were seeing? I was allowed to see Okay. a glimpse. Okay. I wasn't allowed to full blown walk in and take a tour. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. It was almost like, look, you, you are to lead with love and kindness mm-hmm. and I'm going to let you take a little peek to let you know this is not a dream or this is real. So I get to see that. And I also get to hear, um, there is like this, and we would probably call it vibration now. Right. Mm-hmm. But at 12, I didn't know anything about vibration. Right. Right. So I'm still in that mindset of a 12 year old. Cause I'm not dead. Well, I'm technically was dead for a second. Yeah. But, um, I wasn't going to get to stay. So you get, you get my drift. Right. Right. It's just a near death experience. Yes. Yeah. But all the time I thought it was out of body. Yeah. But, um, what we know now probably is vibration, so to speak. There was this hum in the environment. Like everything was singing. Mm-hmm. Everything mm-hmm. had a tone or a note to it. Okay. But Everything having that tone or note to it, it was like with everything doing that, everything was playing in unison. Mm-hmm. And it sort of sounded like a low level song. Mm-hmm. And you would think it would be irritating. Yeah, yeah. But it wasn't. It wasn't. Mm-hmm. It was soothing. It was kind of like something that just kind of moved through you. Mm hmm that was a part of you. So it didn't irritate you because it was literally a part of you. Wow. Okay. Does that it, compute any? It, it does, you know, and it's interesting because I'm, as I'm listening to you tell this, it sounds so many familiar elements from near death experiences that I've heard before. The, the blinding light that doesn't hurt your eyes, the, um, the, the, the colors that are illuminated from within. It's not like, cause here, of course, light reflects off of things. So things don't have their own, 
vision. You know, you can't, you can only see something that light's reflecting off of it. But so yeah, everything you're saying makes perfect sense to what I've heard before. And let me tell you, there, there were colors that I can't even begin to try to describe. Mm -hmm. There, there is no color here that, that there is there. Yeah. The depth and richness is not here. Yeah. Yeah, you know, what I actually kind of wonder, I wonder, because there are animals here that can see colors outside of our range of, of vision. Uh, hummingbirds, or not hummingbirds, but bees, for example, can see ultraviolet. Yeah. So I think things here maybe appear differently than we can perceive because of our physical limitations. So I wonder if when people do that, when you cross over and you see, you're seeing these things, it's because you're seeing through your spiritual eyes, which are not limited like our physical eyes are. Right. And I always wondered... Even with that experience, because I'm still in a human body and I'm still now, mm -hmm. and I'm still learning, because I don't know everything, mm -hmm. you know, I still question how are we seeing all of that without the physical body, right? Right, right. But God or our Creator had to make a way because I was seeing all of that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so as a kid, I'll, and I'll let me revert back to that. And I, I got to see a stream of water. Mm -hmm. I got to see a stream of water and I got a glimpse of a distance and it's about to end soon of a building out in the far distance. Mm -hmm. And it looked like it had a million carvings on it mm. and it had pillars on it and it was out in a misty, misty distance. And I kept thinking a building a building yeah and I never understood it and before I knew it I was known that okay this is enough you have to go back mm -hmm. and before I knew it I was slammed back into my body and I was getting shaked and my face was being shaked and I was they were crying and I was like what's going on and they said we, we thought you were dead so were you given a choice to come back or did you just know you had to come back? Or how did that work? No, I didn't get a choice. No. At that time, I didn't get a choice. So you, you just were set back, basically. Yeah. And when I came back, it was almost like, like I was sucked back and slammed. Mm -hmm. You know, like when you lose your breath. Have you ever lost your breath? Because you yeah. get something hard. That's what it felt like when I came back. So it was very unpleasant. Yeah. <clears throat> so I go back and I tell my mom what happened and you could see she was really shaken. Yeah. Yeah. And part of her believes, but because of the staunch Christian teachings, part of her was keep your mouth shut. Don't go and play with them anymore. Yeah. And don't talk about this to anybody. Well, you know, it's interesting. You bring up the staunch Christian's teaching because I was brought up in that same tradition, same background, staunch Christian's teaching, right? So we're taught that, Jesus is preparing a place for us in heaven, that we're all, when we die, we're going to go to heaven. But when you talk to someone about a near-death experience and you say, I've actually been to heaven, then they, they shut that down. They say, don't talk about this. Right. <clears throat> and like it's a sin, like you're, like it's evil to talk about it, like it's something of the devil and, and then you feel ashamed and it's, it's awful. Yeah. And you're diminished for it, and, I, and it's terrible. And then when you're a kid, you're made to feel, I don't, I don't even know how to explain it, almost dirty. Yeah. 
So I said, did you talk to, about it after that or did you just not talk about it at all? I, I tried to talk to my mom again and she was just so freaked out. Mm -hmm. And then I tried to talk to my dad about it and he just said that he was sorry that it happened. He was mm -hmm. a little more open. Mm -hmm. he, was, he knew for some reason that I was a little more sensitive to things. He couldn't really help me help me. And he was the one that guided me to the library. Oh, okay. So I went to the library and, um, you know, this is before computers and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I found, and I, I don't even know how or why I found it. Because again, at the time I thought, and I didn't even know how to express out of body. Okay. Didn't know anything about those. So, but I ended up and Lord helped me how I did with a book called life after life. Wow. Okay. 12 years old, my mom and the boys were at YMCA baseball game and the library was close by. So I go and end up with that book by Raymond Moody. Wow. Okay. 12 years old. That's a little deep. I think. So did you go to the spirituality section? I mean, how did you come across that book? I have no earthly idea. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. At 12 back, you know, in that day before. Yeah. So, I mean, it stuck with me and, um, Again, we were in North Carolina, and it kind of gave me an aha moment. So you checked out the book and read it, I assume? Yeah, I read it a couple of times. Okay. And made notes. Yeah. Because it started speaking to me about what probably happened. So you were like, okay, so this is what happened to me. Yeah. Okay. Because somebody needed to help me make sense, because I was sort of scared to death. Yeah. Because, you know, how did, I mean, because I explained to mom what I saw them doing. Mm -hmm. That's what really terrified her. Because you explained to your mother that when you were out of her body, out of your body, you explained what she was doing. And what my brothers were doing and what my dad was doing. So she had evidence that you had had this experience. Yeah. Okay. So there was no way to say, you know, you're just making it up or you passed out or you had a bad dream. She was just like, that could have killed you yeah yeah don't ever do that again you know well yeah so fast forward years into college mm -hmm. we moved to georgia and i had changed my major from dance and journalism to psychology hmm. okay and i moved to a university and i was in psychology and there was a class that in psych that said staff that it was taught by staff okay and it was called, oddly enough, Psychology in the Brain. Mm -hmm. Don't know why they named it that, but I was like, okay, we'll see what this is about. So I sign up and I go in this class and there's two professors leading the class. And it is Raymond Moody. <laughs> and it's William Roll. Wow. Do you know who he is? I don't know who William Roll is now. Okay, William Roll is one of the profound researchers in parapsychology. Okay. And we all know who Raymond Moody is. Yeah, yeah. So I had a long talk with him about reading his book and what had happened. Mm -hmm. And he said to me, you did not have an out-of-body experience. You had a near-death experience. And in order for you to have had that happen with the pass-out game, your heart had to have stopped. Hmm. Wow. Because from what the girls said, 
um, I was out of it for a good four minutes. Oh, wow. That long. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So anyway, you know, the pieces started coming together because what are the odds? Yeah, this is the thing that's, that's fascinating me, Dan. I just want to take a moment and pause here because I, I see, I love interviewing people and hearing their stories because they just can't be coincidences, right? I mean, you, you have this experience at the age of 12. Your father leaves you to the library. You're a 12-year-old. Somehow you end up in the spirituality section reading a book, Life After Life, which at that time was probably not that popular of a book and certainly you, not something you were interested in. But you read that and then you walk into class and you meet Raymond Moody probably, what, six or seven years later? Yeah. Wow. In a whole different state. Yeah. Yeah. And it said staff, so it wasn't like I signed up for him. Right. Yeah. So that was just, you know, really odd. So, so it's like all these pieces start, you see them backwards. You know what I'm right, saying? Right. Right. You don't see it as it's happening. Exactly. Yeah. So um, then all of that comes together and I couldn't have children. So I thought, well, I'm going to be a psychotherapist and I'm going to help children mm -hmm. you know, heal their problems. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Help create a program that helped children that were in trouble. Hmm. And it became... Um, therapeutic and it became um what's the word i'm looking for i've got brain damage today <clears throat> i understand it's okay anyway it became effective and it still is going on now okay this was at uh what, what university was it uh university of west georgia okay but this was a program that was created in bremen georgia okay for an alternative school kids mm -hmm. that got in trouble mm -hmm. so anyway long story short all of a sudden um I was in a graduate program. Um, it was a final test mm -hmm. and we took a break and um, I'm having a snack and we're taking a break and I hear a voice and I think I'm cracking up. I'm tired. I haven't had sleep, not enough coffee. Mm -hmm. And I hear a voice that says a child is coming. What? Mm -hmm. And then I hear it again, a child is coming. And I'm like, oh, Dana, you need to go to therapy. You are burnt out. Yeah. Because I tried to have children for like nine years. Oh, wow. Okay. Had been through, you know, all kinds of infertility. Mm -hmm. And then I heard, he will be special. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, all kids are special, right? Yeah. yeah. And then um, I heard, he will be special in um, a medical way. Oh. And then I thought Down syndrome. Yeah. You know, it's just a weird thing. It's like you're having this weird conversation in your head. Yeah, yeah. You're just kind of overtired and cuckoo. So anyway, let's go with it. Let's just no. have this conversation. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, I hear you. Can we wait until I at least get my, my master's degree? Because I was about to get it. Okay. And come to find out, and this sounds, I know this sounds insane, mind you, but I conceived Noah, my child that I lost recently, mm -hmm. the night I got my master's degree. Oh, wow. Okay. I know for a fact, because I had to keep charts and stuff. Oh, because of the infertility, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And uh, he was born early. Mm -hmm. 
and um, one thing and two, and he was born almost 10 weeks early. I don't know if you saw the poem that I wrote him. I wrote him the poem yeah. the day after he was supposed to be born. He was supposed to be born September 12th. Right. I wrote him the poem September 13th. He was born July the 8th. Okay. He passed away September 12th. Wow. Yeah. The day that he was supposed to be born. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, he was, how old was when he, when he passed? He was 20? 21. 21. Okay. But he looked like he was about seven or eight. Yeah. So tell us about Noah. Um, Noah was born about 10 weeks early. Mm -hmm. um, he had, um, I don't think they could ever truly, truly pin it down, but he had atypical septo-optic dysplasia. It affected the corpus callosum, which, you know, sends messages from one side of the brain to the other. Okay. It was a little thin, which affected, you know, I think the rate of when the messages were sent. Mm -hmm. It affected his vision to some degree. It affected um, the hypopituitarianism in his body. So mm -hmm. I think that had to do with the age of which he, I mean, the rate at which he aged. Mm -hmm. And uh, it affected all the hormones in his body. Okay. So he had sleep disorder, temperature control problems, that kind of thing. He had seizures, but they were um, basically mild. He got to where he had to have a um, feeding tube. Okay. And um, he uh, rarely ever cried. Hmm. And uh, he had a real even temperament. He he got jokes. Oh really? Oh yeah. Okay. He had a I, I, anyone. I know this sounds crazy. That ever got to know him, and would just he wanted to to touch people. Okay whether it was their arm or their hand or their face mm -hmm. and anyone that would take the time to like touch him would feel a sense of ease. Oh really? Okay. And calm and peace. And even if they were like all high strung and hyped up mm -hmm. and they would fall in love with him. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was like, how could you not, you know? Yeah. He just had that effect on people. Yeah. And we would always call him like an earthbound angel. Yeah. Because he was just this source of peace and love. And he, he was like an earthbound angel. Yeah. And people would look and feel sorry for us and look like it was such a burden because we had to turn our life around because he couldn't walk and do a million things for himself. Yeah. What they didn't get was he was our our, he was the hub of what turned our wheel. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think we have some people listening that could probably you know, relate to that. It, when we have a child or people have children like that, you're right. People, sometimes people tend to feel sorry for you, but I've heard some people say that's like the biggest blessing they've ever had. Oh yeah. Most definitely. Yeah. I mean, I was married before and his birth father gave him up. And when I met my, my husband, he fell in love with Noah first uh -huh. before he fell in love with me, uh -huh. really. Yeah. And he adopted Noah. And this was another weird thing. They, you know, have you heard of stork bites? 
Mm, I have not. It looks no. like a birthmark. Okay. It looks like little pecks of red color. Mm -hmm. They had the exact same birthmark on their neck. Really? Absolutely. Wow. It was strange. Huh. So when my husband came into our life, he adopted Noah. Mm -hmm. You would never know that he wasn't his father. Mm -hmm. And um, it was like all four of us were a unit. Yes. Or regardless of whether we didn't get to do certain things or whatever. It would, I, I can't even explain it. So we, we're trying to overcome, but, and we know because of my experiences and their experiences that um, he's still around us. Right. Still connected. But that pain, you know, is still kind of, ebbs and flows yeah it, there's the there's the human part of us i think and then there's the spiritual part of us and i think um as much as you and i know that our kids are still with us as much as we feel them and we connect with them there's still those times when the human part of us cries out for that physical presence that we miss yeah so i think that's that's perfectly normal and natural i think we all anybody who's lost someone like that kind of goes through that same thing it's a back and forth it's it's living in two worlds at one time yeah. I mean, it's like me having that experience and knowing there is another side, knowing. Right. You know, there are times in my life was where I was like, did that really happen? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Sure. Really yeah. there? And knowing that, you know, that, you know, mm -hmm. there's a sense of peace about that. Yes. And I used to go, why did that happen to me? But now that I've lost Noah, some part of me goes, aha, now I know. Yeah, it prepared you. It's almost like it had to happen to me so I could survive this. Yeah. It's, you know, with me, I had this intense fear of death growing up because of my religious background, the fundamentalism and the fear of God and hell and all that stuff. So I did so much studying on the afterlife and near-death experiences and after-death communications and all that. So I had this fear of dying early and suddenly. And it's weird. That's what drove me to do all this. But then when Shana passed away four years ago, I, I was kind of ready. I mean, I wasn't ready for her to pass away, but I never doubted where she was. I never doubted that she was okay because I had, I had done all this for whatever reason, you know? So it's like you said, looking backwards, all those things that I went through made sense. And Shana dropped little hints about like, when she didn't think she was going to live very long. She wasn't going to be here very long. And again, you kind of ignore those things because it's your kid and you think this is not really going to happen. But after it did happen, then I realized those things, I think, prepare me so I can at least survive it, you know, because otherwise I don't know what would have happened. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hi there. I'm really excited to tell you about my latest ebook. It's four lessons that you can learn from the near-death experience without going through all the trouble of dying to learn them. I've been studying NDEs for several years now. I am completely convinced that not only are they 100% real, but that there's some very universal wisdom that we can get from the near-death experience. And I've distilled that down in this book into four short lessons. And I've also given you all the reasons why I believe that NDEs are absolutely real. So go to www.grieftogrowth.com slash NDE lessons to pick it up for free www.grief2growth.com slash NDE lessons. I hope you enjoy it. You know, it's really odd too, because um, 
weeks before we lost Noah. I mean, he'd had some episodes and we'd have little emergencies with him. Mm -hmm. He had a few miracles along the way, literally Mm -hmm. miracles where we were going to lose him. And then we'd call him the comeback kid Uh because he'd fight against the odds and we'd get him back. Yeah. And we were like, thank you, God. You know, because they tell us he's not going to make it. We get him back. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, you, you almost expect it, right? Yeah. Something about something leading up to it. And, uh, and this sounds crazy too, but when you have a kid that can't talk like you and I, mm-hmm. which he couldn't, mm-hmm. his voice was affected. He can make sounds. And every once in a blue, blue moon, we'd get a random word that he could get out. Mm. And it was like better than a lottery. Yeah. You yeah. know, but he and I, because I was alone with him for four years, um, and maybe God prepared me in that way too. It was like he and I on the inside, and it's sort of like what I told you when I got that experience and it wasn't really words. Mm-hmm. It was like this loud whisper. He and I would talk all day long, it felt like. Yeah, you had that intuitive connection. Without the words. Yeah. I could feel him, and I think he could feel me, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like we weren't communicating. Right. Right. So weeks before he passed, I kept getting these little blips of like I was getting warned. Yeah. Like some like it was coming down the road. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm not going there. Right. I don't want to see or hear this. Mm-hmm. Like pushing it away. Like your fear is just getting in the way. Yeah. And now I know what was happening. And yeah, you were being prepared. Yeah. I was getting forewarned and I just didn't want to hear it. Mm-hmm. And, and I can't deal with it. But, um, and I know that it, what still bugs me is when they, they came out, they're trying to get him ready and they said, do you want to come in while we're coding him? I hadn't slept in two days. I'm so tired. And I, you know, I've worked in hospitals doing psych. Mm-hmm. I was a nurse. I was psych. Right. But I I knew what that was, but I was so exhausted. It didn't click. All I thought about was I'm going to get in there to Noah. Mm -hmm. And I walk in there and they're, they're doing CPR and coding him. And he was gone. Mm -hmm. And I just go straight to him and start singing. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then I say, get all the stuff off of him. I need to hold him. Yeah. So they send me out and get it all off of him. And he was still small enough. He was 75 pounds for me to hold him. Yeah. And even though they said he was gone, all of a sudden I got like so calm. As though he had not gone. Because I could feel him. I could feel him as though he hadn't left. I could feel him in my arms through me around me I could feel him Mm -hmm. and I didn't want to let go because he still felt here yeah not body him right yeah well yeah he he was still here I mean he is still here but you know his his body had had stopped you know functioning at a time and I I really loved your question the other night when uh, Monday night we had Gemma Deller on the, the medium 
And you asked, you know, could he feel me? Could he hear me singing to him? And she said, yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, he, 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 I, I don't like to say was, he is still here. He was and is still here. Um, so I think that, you know, he, he definitely knows what happened. He knows that you were there for him, uh, of course. Thank you. Yeah. I, I do have to, I don't mean to talk so much. I didn't even know I was. I guess it's nervous energy. No, no, this is what, the, this is what we're here for. But the part two to the sing, mm -hmm. the other side, Mm -hmm. Another one of my professors, and this was just a few years ago, her name is Tipper at Shimroom, and uh, she's been my mentor all these years and hired me to work for her institute. Mm -hmm. and she's very spiritual from Thailand. One of my older friends that was like a second mother was dying, and she was trying to let go. She had cancer, mm -hmm. but she wasn't letting go. Mm -hmm. And so Chip called me in there and wanted me to hold her hand and sort of, you know, they were giving her morphine and wanted me to walk in with her, basically, mm -hmm. to see why she was holding on. Okay. And I'm like, say what? <laughs> what, do you, what do you want me to do? She said, I want you to walk in and see why she's not letting go. Mm -hmm. You can do this. <clears throat> I know this probably sounds nuts. No, I know, not to me. <laughs> so I'm holding her hand, and Tip helps count me down into a meditation. And I'm holding her hand, and I go in there. And mm -hmm. I can see her standing in that light. And she looks 30. And she was, I guess she was at this point, 60. 62, but she looked 30. Oh, uh -huh. And um, she, I walked with her and I found out what was holding her up. I finally walked with her to the edge of where this mist is. And so you're seeing her like in a vision. Is that, make sure I get this straight. So you, you're seeing her younger than she was in the body, but you're seeing her as a, as a 30 year old. Is that right? Yeah. And it was more than a vision. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I yeah. So yeah. So so you walked into the room, and then you were like in a scene with her. Is that what I'm hearing? She they I, they had me hold her hand. Uh huh. They put me in a trance state. I see her in the light. Okay. Wow. Okay. I walk with her through the light to the edge of this whatever to mm -hmm. the edge, mm -hmm. and I see a um. I guess it's like a cart pull up or a, a coach like thing. Okay. But instead of horses, it's like these angel bodies that are made of light. That's the only thing I know to call them mm -hmm. are carrying it. And it has her mom, her dad and her stepdad in it. Hmm. Whom I've never met who's been dead like forever. Mm -hmm. And they have a rose for her. Mm -hmm. She looks like she's 30 and she's got a scarf on. Okay. Wow. And so they welcome her in this coach. And it like, again, it looks like these angel like figures of light are carrying it. Mm -hmm. So they take her off and she out in the distance, it looks like she has created, a, it's like a house of light. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's 3d to her. Yeah. But it's illuminated like the flowers were. Okay. 
everything is touchable, but everything's illuminated. Like mm -hmm. you created it. Wow. Like we all have created whatever we need. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's her place. Wow. Your place would be different. Right. Right. And so I get to see that and I see the stream and I see the flowers and I finally get to ask the question because they're taking her to that building that I saw when I was 12. Oh, the, wow. To so the building you saw when you were 12. Yeah. Okay. And I find out that building is where people that don't go over like they're supposed to, so to speak, mm -hmm. they take them there to rest and mm -hmm. transition. So it's like a healing place. Yeah. 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 Like if it didn't go down well. Yeah. You get to, it's like a spa, so to speak. Mm -hmm. You go there and rest and sort of transition to where you're ready to be where you're supposed to be. Yeah. I, I've, I've heard of, I've heard several people talk about places like that. And I, you know, early I just interrupted you for a second. You talked about this, uh, seeing this woman cross. It's, it's called Share Crossing, which I know you, you know. And yeah, there's actually know. a project called the Share Crossing Project run by a guy named William Peters that helps people to experience shared crossings. So, you know, you, you've had both a near-death experience, which is where you cross yourself, but also a shared crossing, which um, I, I think is less common, but it does happen. Yeah, but I didn't know at the time what it was. Right, right. And again, I was scared to death, but because this is my mentor, and she's respected at the university, and this is a lady that I love that's dying, that's like my second mother. Yeah. I wasn't going to say no. So do you think your mentor, did she do that because you're intuitive and she thought you'd be able to cross with her? Yeah. Okay. Because anything I've ever done is because I trusted her. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that's, that, that is amazing. So um, you've had, you know, these experiences and as you said, kind of looking back through your life, you can see how they make sense. And, and Noah passed, how long ago has it been now? Um, this September will be two years. Okay, so it's only it's been a couple of years, and how are you learning to deal with Noah being in his in his new place? Well, I couldn't go back to doing psychotherapy. Not saying that I never will, but you know, at some point, his care, and then I have my daughter Eden. Mm -hmm. But how old is Eden? Eden is seventeen. Okay. But his care got more intense, mm -hmm. and a lot of people were afraid of taking care of him. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you get to where you think I'm the one that knows the most. Cause I was like a walking medical book. Yeah. You, um, you get to be an expert. Yeah. Yeah. So I had gotten to the point where I just stopped doing therapy and stopped doing hospital work. Mm -hmm. So when he passed, I didn't feel like I was in place where I wanted to do it. And um, so I started teaching English no, to children in China because I felt like, where can I give some of the love that I have for Noah mm -hmm. to kids and interact with them in that way? Okay. Because I could still interact with him even though he was 21 because of some of his limitations like a kid. Yeah. And, yeah. I, and I needed it. Yeah. I just needed it, you know? So that's why... I, it's like a classroom right here. 
Oh, okay. So that's what that. So you teach children in China English over yeah. over the internet. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So this is like a one of those folding, tri, you know, the separators. Uh huh. And I just turn it into a mock classroom. Okay. So it's not a real room. It's just a piece of a. Yeah, just a partition. Yeah. Yeah. So I do that, and um, I still have people that I used to do therapy with or spiritual work with mm -hmm. that will call me and say, "Can I talk to you?" Mm -hmm. So I do some of that, but um, and then you know, swim or or exercise or meditate or read or whatever I can. Sometimes I go out in the pool and I yell at the sky. Yeah. You know, whatever it takes. Like it was Noah's birthday and um, I baked the cake and we talked to Noah. Right. Right. And I light a candle to in front of Noah's picture every day, every night. Yeah. Keep him in your life. Yeah. We haven't been able to take everything out of his room. I, I haven't been able to do it yet. Yes. So I go in there every night and a lady made a bear out of one of his shirts. Mm -hmm. And I go in there every night and kiss him goodnight. Yeah. Until Noah goodnight. Mm -hmm. You know, um, it's interesting when we have kids cross, you know, um, some people say you need to let them go and it's unhealthy to do that. I totally disagree with that. Um, I, I think it's just the opposite. Um, I do the same thing with Shana. I have a, a big picture of her, pictures of her all over the place. She's on my lock screen on my phone. She's my screensaver on my computer. We've got pictures in the house. Uh, and I keep her as part of my life. You know, I, I want her to be part of my life until the time that I cross to, to be with her. Yeah, that's ridiculous. I mean, they're a piece of us. I mean, it's when I lost my dad, it broke my heart. Mm -hmm. But I feel this invisible silver cord mm -hmm. like a balloon still attached to Noah. Mm -hmm. You said I just got goosebumps. I completely know what you're talking about. And I can feel him every day. Mm -hmm. And like the other day, like the feathers, the other day I'm sitting in my screen porch, you know, closed in screen porch. Mm -hmm. I'm doing feedback for my kids in the class. And my dog is walking around, my English bulldog. Mm -hmm. And I'll look down, and he's over here, and I'll look down to my foot to the right, under my foot, mind you, and I could, it's in there, is a feather, and it's not dirty, it's clean, mm -hmm. it's real fluffy white here, and it's a light tan here, right mm -hmm. under my foot. Yeah, yeah. What are the odds, right? Yeah. And on his birthday night, after we got through talking about him, and we had the thing with Emma, her name's Emma, right? A uh, Gemma, 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 yes. Gemma, Gemma, Gemma. Mm -hmm. Twice, and it's probably in the video, twice I got my head touched. Uh-huh. While we were talking. Yeah. So, I mean, things happen all the time. Yeah, yeah. They definitely, they definitely send us signs. If we're open, if we're open to them, um, they, will, they will send us signs for sure. Now, there's one other experience that you mentioned in the notes that you had sent to me earlier. Uh, you said you, there was an experience in the emergency room with uh, seeing your father when Noah was, was passing. Yeah, I didn't, want, I didn't want to. They had me sitting outside the room mm -hmm. in the actual emergency center. And um, I'm sitting there, and my dad had passed. He passed away four years ago. 
and um, we were really close. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking to the left down the hallway a little bit, and I see this man turn towards me, and he's just looking at me and staring at me in the eye, and exactly like my dad. I mean, to the T like my dad. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, my dad's here. And I'm talking to the nurse, and I'm like, my dad's here. Mm -hmm. And she goes, well, do you need to go talk to him? And I said, no, I need a hug. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and she goes, well, go get a hug from your dad. I'm sure that he'll come here and support you. Mm -hmm. I'm like, my dad's dead. Oh, wow. And I, and I know she thought I was crackers. <laughs> or she probably thought I was overtired. And she just looked at me and she just smiled and patted me on the shoulder. Yeah, of course. And I'm looking again and he's still standing there. And I'm thinking to myself, my dad has come to get Noah. Yeah. And then part of me is like relieved my dad's there. And then part of me is scared to death. And I'm like, no, I don't want you to come get him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you heard Gemma the other night, someone asked, she said, was my daughter ready to, to transition? I don't think she was ready to die. Use a common word, I guess. And she said, she looks scared and she looks surprised. And she asked Gemma, the medium that was speaking to us the other night, she said, was she not ready? And so Gemma said, no, it wasn't that she wasn't ready. And you didn't see fear on it. What you saw was surprise because she saw a maternal figure coming to get her. And I think at that time, her eyes had been opened and she saw, you know, across the veil and she saw, the person coming together and she was surprised to see him just like you have this ability it seems like to see across the veil periodically it kind of it's thin you know it's pretty thin i think but some people have the ability to kind of see through it and there have been times when you've been able to see through it so you probably saw or not probably you saw your father coming to get noah yeah sometimes you wish you couldn't yeah yeah yeah, you know, I guess we all want what we don't have, right? Because I've never had an experience like that. So I, I don't know. I've never had a near-death experience. I've never seen, you know, I've had lots and lots of signs. I've had, you know, fantastic medium readings. But I know there's, a, there's a, maybe a burden, I guess, that comes with that also. I don't know. Yeah. Because, I mean, you don't. You don't always get what you want, and you can't just knock on a door and say, hey, can I speak to so-and-so? Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, it, you know, it's interesting because I, you know, I, I work with a lot of mediums, and I remember Suzanne Giesman, whose mother passed away not too long ago, and she was saying, that I guess for quite a while, she wasn't able to really communicate with her mother like she expected to be able to. So, you know, we don't always, like you said, we don't always get what we want. I know you can't just call up Noah and say, hey, and, you know, and have a conversation with them or, you know, see him or anything. So um, there is, there's still the part of being human that's still really tough that we, everybody has to deal with, I guess. Yeah, because when we, at first, we would get things like his toys would go off. Mm -hmm. Or they would, like, one toy would say, I love you, and it wasn't programmed to say that. Yeah. And we would, everyone, Stephen and Eden, we'd all run in the room so we could hear it. So we wouldn't, we would know we weren't crazy. Yeah. That kind of thing. But then it slowed down and we were like, oh no. Yeah. So, um, so do you still get signs from Noah periodically? Or you said you got the feather just the other day. So you're still getting signs from him. Yeah, we get them periodically. I mean, it, it slowed down a little bit. And I'm sure that, you know, people have jobs on the other side. 
Yeah. People have things to do on the other side. So mm-hmm. I'm sure they can't just entertain everything we want all the time so we feel better. Right. Right. Yeah, well, they, they, they do. Um, but what, I, what I've also been told is, you know, they're always just a thought away. So I, I, don't, I guess it works both ways. I think sometimes when they're near, they put the thought in our head and we think of them. Another, another way it also works is when we think of them, I guess they, they come near. Yes. So um, I think they're, you know, they, but they are, they're not, you know, they're not with us every day. They're not with us all day long every day. Um, just like they wouldn't be, you know, if they were here, you know, physically. Right. I mean, I, you know, I don't want to drive anybody crazy. <laughs> you know, what if we did that to our wife or our kid here? Yeah, yeah. 24 7. Yeah, just follow them all around every day and just all day long and just, you know, pulling at their sleeve or whatever. Sure, I understand. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so, you know, you know, I went along to this conversation with you because um, I like what you said earlier about, you know, we can't see how things are looking forward. We have to get some distance on things. And I think our life does make sense looking backward. I actually saw a quote from Anita Marjani this morning saying that when we cross back over, we get to see our whole life like at one time and we get to make sense of everything that happened that, you know, both what we call the good and what we call the bad. And the thing is, I think about being a human being and being in this life is where faith comes in is, is having faith that that's going to happen, that, that it'll all make sense, you know, at some point, even the things that we think were, you know, were really bad while we were here. You know, and I think that, you know, when it first happened, you want to be mad and upset, or I did. I wanted to be mad and upset and, and be like, why did you give me him to take him away? Yeah. But then I thought, I better keep my faith. I better keep my faith because that's the only thing that lets me know I'll get to see him again. So let me tell me about your faith because you said you were raised in a traditional Christian background. Um, well, basically, and- it, wasn't, it wasn't go to church every week, but it was that's what was preached within the household, so to speak. Yeah. Well, I know your family has some, you know, some issues with your, with your faith as it is today. And, and, and mine does too. My, my family just basically ignores me. So, you know, they, they, <laughs> just, they just think I'm crazy, which is, is fine. But um, so how did you bridge from the faith of your family to what you, what it is that you, I, I don't even, I had to say to use the word believe, because I think we know it's not even, we don't, we don't believe we're not taking things on faith. We're going by, you know, evidence. So yeah. how did you bridge those two? Um, a lot of it helped me, to be honest, when I went to university and I met some of the professors that I was with, because, um, I chose to believe some family members. And at first that, that apparently I had to have issues Mm -hmm. to believe some of the experiences I had Mm -hmm. and that maybe I didn't need to be in the psych department. Maybe I had psych issues. Yeah. And when you do go into psychology, you do have to go into therapy, A, to deal with your own issues, and B, so you don't um, project your own issues into potential clients that you see. Hmm, okay. So, which is, it makes sense. Yeah. But I went into there ready to beat myself up and saying, you know, I think I have some deep psychological problems. Mm-hmm. I had flipped the switch. Mm-hmm. From going, oh, this this is God and this is wonderful to, you know, I think I'm really messed up. Yeah. And mm-hmm. 
I was finally told that, you know, no, you're not really messed up. You have had some deep spiritual experiences. Yeah. And yeah. when I got that support and they showed me scientific basis along with spiritual basis, and I had that scientific foundation along with it. Right. I was like, oh, I'm okay. <laughs> so is this Dr. Roller, Dr. Moody, or? All of them. Okay. I mean, I mean many of them. Yeah. It, so when it was one after another after another, and it was Chip Schumer as well, I was like, wow, science, scientific meets religion meets spiritual. And if I can meld those together and help other people, then wow, what an eye-opening experience. Let's crack this thing open. Well, that's really interesting that you even had that experience because most people in, in psychology are, are atheists. They're materialists. And they say there's no place in spirituality or no place for spirituality in, in, um, in that. So uh, the fact that you were surrounded by those people that, that, that basically um, reinforce, I guess, or, or validate your own experience. Uh, and it's amazing how we as human beings can be talked out of our own personal experiences, right? Right. You, you see something, you hear something, you feel something that changes your life. And people say, no, that's just the function of a oxygen deprived brain, for example, you know, which yeah. a lot of people say. But, you know, I come back to, and your experience when you were 12 was veridical. It was evidential. You, you saw what your parents were doing. You saw what your siblings were doing. So you, and what the girls were doing to try to uh, revive me. Yeah. Yeah. And there, there are so many cases like this. So I hear people say, oh, there's no evidence of any of this stuff. It's, and I'm like, it's just a dying brain. I'm like, explain how the dying brain can see when your eyes are closed and can see things that are happening, you know, miles away sometimes, hear conversations going on down the hall. Um, but they'll, you know, people deny it's true. I mean, look at remote viewing. Mm -hmm. How do you explain that? Yeah. Yeah, the ability to sit here and see something that's happening somewhere else. And the, our military has used remote viewing. So yeah. they believe in it. They've actually brought in people and they use remote. I don't know if they still do. They probably still do. But um, yeah, they, the, our military uses, they'll bring people in, put them in a room and ask them to draw something that's happening thousands of miles away. And yeah. actual remote viewing is a spiritual function. Mm -hmm. It's an act of actually leaving your physical body in a way. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's all, you really can't separate um, spirituality and science. No, no, there is no separation. I, I completely agree with you. And it's, like I said, it's interesting because, uh, you know, people talk about the Bible, for example, and they say near-death experiences aren't real. And then I'm like, okay, well, if you read Second Corinthians, when Paul talks about a man that went to the third heaven and saw all these wild, amazing things, and I don't know whether he was in the body or out of the body, I'm like, Sounds a lot like a near-death experience to me, you know, um, or on the road to Damascus when Paul saw, you know, was blinded by a bright light and heard the voice of Jesus. You know, that sounds really similar to the experience that you had, right? You were, yeah. So uh, I think there's a lot. I think you're right. There's, there really is no separation between the two. And even the faith that we were taught, um, I don't know why people arbitrarily say, well, you can't have a near-death experience. I was talking to a friend of mine, and I said, do you believe in the Bible? And he said, yeah. And I, and I gave an example of Paul on the road to Damascus. And he goes, yeah, I absolutely believe that happened. I said, well, I believe it happened too. I said, but also I believe the person I talked to last week 
who said they had a very similar experience where they heard a voice and saw a light and, and saw these indescribable things. And how people reconcile that that could be true, but this isn't true, I don't really know why they draw that line. And see, the thing to me, too, is I don't think that my experiences or, let's say, Gemma or um, Thomas John or a multitude of other people and just like all of the parents that are connecting to their children, mm -hmm. it doesn't make any of us special. Right. None of us. Yeah. We're all special. We're all part of the creator's uh, plan. Mm-hmm. It's just everybody is connecting in a different way because of what's going on in their own life. I think that people are given the experiences they need. And I, I look at near-death experiences. I've been studying for like probably 20 years at this point. And you wonder why do some people have them, some people don't. Why are some people's this way and some people's are another way? I think people get the experience that they need. I think they're customized and they're tailored. So I try not to say, you know, why did Dana have this experience and I didn't? Why did Dana have a shared crossing experience and I didn't. I think you had it for the reason for you to serve the best way you can and maybe I don't have it so I can be more of a skeptic or whatever and can look at things in a different way. I think so I think we get what we want but you're right we're all none of us is, is special but we do have different gifts and different experiences. I'm, I'm just saying it in the way I don't mean it in a negative way. No. I mean it in a way that this person and this person and this person because they had an experience doesn't make them a superstar. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? No, I do. You know, I, I have, a, I was having this debate with a friend of mine who's a medium and she, you know, we were, I, I was like, it's actually both. We're all the same in one sense, but we're all also unique. Yeah. We have special, we all have a unique gift. We have a different way of expressing ourselves. And this person happens to be like a fantastic medium. Exactly. And she's like, well, you can do what I do. And I'm like, no, I can't do what you do. Now, maybe with training and stuff, I could learn to be something like that. But no, you have, you have an ability that I don't have, and that's okay. I have an ability that you don't have. We all, we're all different parts of a puzzle, and we all have our roles to play here. So I think someone like yourself, we're giving these, these experiences and these gifts to, to, use the, or to use the way that you use them, and I have different things. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I, it's, been, it's been really great talking to you. I really appreciate you doing this. I know you were uh, a little bit nervous about doing it. Yeah, but, uh, almost canceled. Yeah, well, I, you know, I could, I could told you I don't, I don't make, make you uncomfortable, but um, I just I love having these conversations and, and illustrating to people that, you know, sometimes the worst things we think we're going through, you know, I'm sure when you were going through that period of infertility, you thought you were never going to have a child, you know, uh, having – finding a child that's going to have the needs that Noah had, you know, you might've been, you know, worried or concerned or upset about that, but turning out for him to be the, the great blessing that he's been, you know, in your life. Um, so if we can all just have faith that, you know, things will work out, if they're not working out right now, that's the message I want to get to people. And also that some of the worst things, what we think are the worst things in our lives can actually lead to the greatest growth in our lives. And one day we'll all look back, on the whole thing and I think it'll make sense. Yeah, and I, and I still have Eden. And again, I've been trying to navigate her to the helping the siblings group. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I saw the podcast you had with the other co-creator of the group, she mentioned it. Mm -hmm, with Elizabeth. Mm -hmm. I think my daughter really needs that, so. 
you know, I was talking to someone earlier today, someone I'm coaching, and uh, we were talking about her other two daughters. Um, her daughter passed away. The thing about kids, especially teenagers, preteens in that age, they process things different. Well, you know this more than I do. They process things, things differently than we do. And uh, our daughter, Kayla, was 18 when Shana passed. And, you know, she just had to do things her own way. So we're hoping helping, helping siblings heal group will take off. Um, and I know people are working on it. It's, I think getting the kids to cooperate and, and to interact is, is a bit of a challenge. Yeah. I, I can see that. Yeah. But Dana, thanks. I really appreciate you doing this. Well, thank you very much. You made me feel more at ease. I appreciate it. Oh, well, you, you, you're a pro. This is what you do, right? You, you do radio program. I don't know about pro, but I appreciate it. Yeah. You yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Right, Bye. Well, that's it for another episode of Grief to Growth. This is your host, Brian Smith. Reach out to me anytime at grieftogrowth.com. That's G-R-I-E-F, the number two, growth.com. I look forward to hearing from you, and I'll be back with you with another podcast soon. Hey there, if you like this episode, come on over and talk about it. Let me know what you liked. If you didn't like this episode, come on over and talk about it. Let me know what you didn't like. Go to grieftogrowth.com slash community and look for talk about the podcast. I'll see you there.